Last Wednesday, we were talking about acting on the Word of God, which is faith, because the word believe is a verb, versus trying to not take action on the Word of God and then fix that with the laying on of hands or the anointing of oil or even prayer. Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to say that God's people are forever trying to compensate for not taking action on the Word of God through fasting, anointing with oil, laying hands on the sick, prayer. And this seems to be an odd dichotomy, and I'm coming back to it from last Wednesday because I want you to see it. I said last Wednesday that, that if we did an in-depth survey at Faith Christian Center, which we would never do, and, and ask people, do you save money on a regular, consistent basis? And then we did statistical analysis. The people that save money, would their net worth be higher or lower than the average? Higher. Be higher. We could ask... Uh, when your children were little, did you spank them biblically? Not like with belt buckles and chains and whips, but you know, did you spank them biblically? And then now today, are your children productive? Do they have a job? Do they make money? Are they happily married? Uh, does your daughter-in-law, your son-in-law drive you crazy? Uh, who would have the better result? The people that did or did not discipline their children biblically? We all know the answer. We could, we could ask a question, uh, have you honored God with your money? Which, the people that honored God with their money, would their, would their average net worth be higher or lower than the overall? It'd be higher. See, the thing is, we all know the answers to these questions. Now, that doesn't mean we always did because you've heard me say this over and over and over. When, when I got married, at least I knew I didn't know how to be a husband. I knew that because I didn't have a, a role model. So I went to the Bible and then we used to listen to James Dobson on the radio and then I read James Dobson books. But my point is, I didn't know. And there's nothing wrong with not knowing if you pursue the information that you need. Same thing when Austin came along. I knew that I didn't know how to be a, a father, how to be a parent. I knew that. And, and Sue, at least she had decent role models, but she didn't have any experience at that. And so here we go back to the Bible. We go back to James Dobson, listening to him on the radio. And... Uh, reading James Dobson books, but here, here's an interesting side journey. 30 years ago, up at I-30, we had some Word of Faith guests with us, uh, musicians and, and singers, I mean, uh, speakers, you know, teachers on the Word of God, and I just, in conversation, mentioned the name James Dobson, and they looked at me like I'd cussed. And the reason is, James Dobson is not in our tribe. In other words, he's not a, a faith guy. I was never hardwired to be parochial like that. If I can learn something somewhere, I'm willing to learn it. Uh, for example, last week we went and looked at an auditorium as an example, uh, built by Southern Baptists. Do I care if it was built by Southern Baptists? Absolutely not. If I can go somewhere and learn something that'll help me, then I'm willing to go and learn. Can you see that? It's a very parochial thing that if, if it's not our tribe, it's not our group, we're not interested in learning anything from them. You know, when Austin was a youngster, he still uses the term cross-pollination. You know, I would talk to him about cross-pollination. In other words... <laughs> <laughs> While I'm talking to you, he's talking to me. And man, he's rapid on me. So let's take a, another side journey. Let's take a side journey inside a side journey. 
there's a, there's a, a, a wickedness that is manifest right now in a particular politician and you see it in ministers. And it's not godly. And that is three characteristics. It's all about me. And if you're, if you're not speaking well of me and making over me, then you're my enemy. And not just are you my enemy. Here's the third thing. I'm going to hurt you. Now, we, there's a politician out here we know, and that's the way he operates. We understand that. That's politics, and we understand that, that, you know, just because somebody says they're a Christian, you know, I mean, I could, I could hang out in the garage. That doesn't make me a BMW. So uh, we understand that, but that's, that's completely inappropriate for ministers of the gospel. But it's out here. And so the way Sue and I raised Austin is this. The kingdom of God is a big place. So, so we go out to Lubbock. We're looking at the Southern Baptist Church. And they're not like us. They don't dress like we do. They don't talk like we do. They're not our tribe. But being in that building, walking around there, seeing those, pope, those people, they are born-again people. You see what I'm saying? And so I stopped Austin in the fellowship atrium of that church. I said, look, I said, this is exactly what we talked about when you were growing up. The kingdom of God, the body of Christ is a great big place. And not everybody sees it just the way we see it. Not everybody believes it just the way we believe it. We're not supposed to go out here and pick fights with people. We, we learn what we can learn because various groups have strengths. This is true culturally. This is true racially. You know, uh, I know back up at I-30, uh, I, at least I had this wisdom on certain songs. I'd, I'd check out how the brothers are moving because, uh, and you know, how the brothers are clapping because, you know, I'm like lost. Do you understand? So I can't be so small-minded that I'm not going to go learn from this brother or I'm, I'm going to go learn over here. In other words, if I can learn something, or how about this? If I see a strength somewhere, then I'm going to get what I can get out of that strength. Now, that doesn't mean I join the club. That doesn't mean, you know, I'm all in with them. It just means that I'm smart enough that if I can glean some information, then I'm going to glean it. All right. So, back to where I was. So, there are areas of life where initially we don't know. Maybe you don't know how to eat properly. Maybe you don't know the benefits of exercise. Let's go to the Bible. Maybe you don't know that saving money is in the Bible. Maybe, maybe you, you don't understand giving into the gospel. Nobody ever taught you about honoring God with your money. So there's a starting place of not knowing. But then we, we hear the word. We read the Bible. Now we know. Okay, so then why do we not take action? And the answer is easy. Well, because we have opinions and we have excuses. Well, I don't think I need to, you know. I don't, I don't think I need to count calories. Okay. Like Fred Price, one of my fathers in the faith would say, let's hide and watch. Let's hide and watch. Let's go back to that theoretical survey. If we did a survey of people and we, we asked ask in the questions, we said, do you count your calories and do you exercise on a daily basis? The people that said yes, would, would, there, would, they, would they be lighter or heavier than the average in the congregation? They'd be lighter. See, we all know this.
And so I was talking about the difference between, and even Sunday, the difference between what I call Pentecostalism. It's not really fair to Pentecostals to call this Pentecostalism. It is some kind of a new weird thing that I've seen during my 50 years in the ministry evolve. Classical Pentecostals don't do this. But there's a, there's a, I call it Pentecostalism, and that is they don't teach taking action on the Word of God, but they'll lay hands on you every service. Or they'll do a Daniel fast every January. Or they'll anoint you with oil every service. See, my point is, you cannot compensate for not saving money by drinking anointing oil. Can you see this? You cannot compensate for overeating. You know, like Len Mink, Len Mink used to joke, you know, speak, into the, speak to the key lime pie and say, calories get thee behind me, and then turn around, oh, I think they did. Uh, you cannot, you cannot compensate for overeating by making a positive confession. <laughs> you can't compensate by, by disrespecting your husband by having hands laid on you. You can't compensate for not loving your wife by being in a prayer chain. But people do this. They think it's going to fix them. And this series is on faith and prayer. And I think people do this with prayer. I did it. You know, when I told the Lord, I started not ever having any money. And he gave me the answer. But see, the answer is the word. The word is the answer. And so, now, now, as we begin to take action, then answers to prayer start showing up. See, as we begin to take action, miracles happen. As we begin to take action, I like to say it this way, he meets us there. But see, as long as I'm, as long as I'm stuck in neutral, I don't, see, I don't see answers coming. As long as I'm stuck in neutral, I don't see miracles happening. So we left off last Wednesday. I got down to verse 6. We left off last Wednesday evening with what is faith. Let's go to Hebrews 11. What is faith? Now, faith is being sure. Everybody shout, sure. Sure. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Shout certain. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. We dealt with that. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifices than Cain did. So the Bible actually talks about, teaches that some offerings are better than others. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. Well, if God can speak well of offerings, apparently God can speak not so well of offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith. All right, so... Most likely the Apostle Paul writing here, if, if he says, and without faith, it must be possible to not have faith. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith cometh. I like what <laughs> one of my daddies in the faith, Fred Price would say, if faith cometh, two things, it must not have been here before it cometh, and then it must cometh from somewhere. <laughs> if faith cometh, it must not have been here before it cometh, and then it must cometh from somewhere. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Yet there's a prejudice in the body of Christ against expectation. Now, this past Sunday in the, in the story of blind Bartimaeus, we saw the power of expectation. Now, people... It's part of the reason I wear the beard some now, because, you know, the, the, the grayer I am, the less nonsense I hear. Uh, but in the early days, people would come to me and they'd say, you know, 
I just don't believe it's right to give to get. Well, that's, that's just silly. I mean, if you, if you buy a piece of land, don't you expect a return? If you invest, if you put, if you buy, uh, you put money in the bank in a money market, don't you expect a return? Right? Well, why, why, why is God the only thing going that we, we are not allowed to expect a return on? And then we have all these verses, given it shall be given unto you. People are silly. And so I expect a return. But in the early days, people would say, well, I just don't give to get. You know, they heard that in church. See, that's the problem. You know, look, people are ignorant enough. They don't need to go to church to get more ignorant. Amen. I, don't, I don't give to get. That's silly. <laughs> I give because I love the Lord. Amen. I do. But as I give because I love the Lord... I completely expect a return on my giving. Amen. And believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Tell your neighbor, it's all right, it's all right. to believe, believe that God will reward you for earnestly seeking him. You see how a lot of these teachings put everybody in neutral? If, 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 if people are taught that God doesn't reward you for diligently seeking him, why pray? Why, why get up early in the morning? Why do that? Why give? Why do anything? By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family, to save his family, to save his family. Say it out loud, to save his family. To save his family. But these uh, Christian commies would have you believe it's wrong to bless your family. We give, we give to ministries that emphasize the poor. We do. We do. And when the Lord speaks to me, you know, it doesn't matter to me the amount. The, the only thing that matters to me is, is obeying God. And so, you know, we'll, we'll give. We'll do what the Lord tells us to do. But generally, by and large, we're focused, Sue and I are focused on the gospel, and we're focused on our family. Amen. Amen. This is biblical. Tell your neighbor, it's biblical. To be a blessing to your family. Amen. By faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So righteousness comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. He what? He what? He what? He, he, he obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. <laughs> so when I got married, we didn't know where we were going. We came back from Africa. We didn't know where we were going. I resigned from that church I was working at doing my master's degree in 1982. We didn't know where we were going. People talk about having a life plan. My only plan was to, to pray and obey. I learned that from Paul Yonggi Cho. I pray and I obey. Brought me to this place. He obeyed and went, even though he did not, did not know where he was going. So we're talking about action. It's all through here. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. And that's to be our attitude here. If, if you are at ease with what is going on, you're not born again. We're pilgrims passing through. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So action. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And that's a key phrase he considered him faithful who had made the promise. That is faith, friends. Tell your neighbor, that is faith. He considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Verse 13, all these people are still living by faith when they died. And that, that's the goal. 
All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Sometimes people will criticize and say, uh, so-and-so died. How could they die? They, they, they were in faith and they died. And the answer is always the same. I'd hate to die any other way. John Osteen was laying in his bed dying and one of his dumb relatives, I won't mention the name, not, not by blood, but by marriage. I won't mention his name. But uh, he, he leaned over and said to Pastor John, he said, so Pastor, so Dad, why don't you think the Lord healed you? <laughs> People, you know, don't let him visit me if I'm in trouble. Uh, and John Osteen said, lifted his hands in, 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 upon the bed of death and said, his grace is sufficient for me. Amen. Class. No complaining. No whining. And we're not all good. We're not going to live forever. You know, tell your neighbor, you got shelf life. <laughs> tell, tell the neighbor on the other side, you better act like it. <laughs> Amen. So you got to, you know, you got to live. You got to give. You got to love. Like the t-shirts say, live, love, lead. Got to do all that now. Amen. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted. They admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. If you don't understand that you're an alien and a stranger here, you're not born again. We're passing through. This is not our home. This is not our home. People who say such things show that they are looking for their own country. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. But that doesn't mean we want to go tonight, but we understand that that's what's ahead. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The language is fascinating. See, the very fact that Paul says, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, implies that there are people that he's ashamed to be called their God. And you see it in the book of Judges, 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Every time God tells you to give something, it is a test. It's a money test. Every time. Thank God, thank God, thank God. See, we, we didn't really know that much. But we had a monstrous advantage most folks don't have, especially in this generation. We love the Lord. And so even if we, even if our minds were screaming, we'd do what God told us to do. Because we love the Lord. So a lot of it for us wasn't even faith. It was just love. Carried us right on. It's like a river. Just carried us right on down the river. And I've taught on this, and I, I, I could bring all the dates. I've done it before and, and walk all the way through it. But people think it's magic. It's not. February of 97, he told me to give Bud Sickler the $500,000 for the roof that he wanted to build in Mombasa. I said, okay. I struggled with it a few minutes, but I said, okay. <laughs> we had $176,000 on hand. Okay, he told me, you don't think you can do it, but I'm telling you you can do it. Okay. And then we got that knocked out. I don't remember the date we had it knocked out. I've got all this written down. And then he says, now I want you to set aside a million dollars for the new millennium. And so we go to work on that, and that was slow. People give to what they can see. It, tell your neighbor, pastor's been through this before. <laughs> see, why are those pictures up there? Because people give to what they can see. And so when we were raising money for Bud Sickler, the roof for Bud Sickler's church in Mombasa, Kenya, we had a rendering of the church he wanted to build. And then we get that knocked out, and then I say, well, the Lord told me to raise to, to set aside a million dollars for the new millennium. There's no picture of that. And it was slow. And we get partway through that, and I'm not there. In January of 2000, the phone, January of 2000, the phone rings. 
but he needs another $100,000 because Kenya wouldn't let this deal in to Kenya from South Africa duty-free. And I wrestled with that. Okay. And then he died. But I was there the next week, gave his widow the $100,000. But see, that set us back in my mind. That set us back in my mind. Because now, see, that roof's behind me. Now he says set aside a million dollars for the new millennium. But in my mind, that set us back. In my mind, that $100,000, you know, I don't know when you went to school, but $100,000 is 10% of a million. So in other words, it set us back. But I got to do what he says do. And then I just keep, man, I just keep plugging along. You know, I just keep plugging along. And it's slow, it's slow. There's no picture, million dollars. There's no picture, you know. And I'm just plugging along. And I'd have to look up the date. But I was back in Kenya preaching. I think that was 2003 or 2004. Claire Isabel. Same spot on the path. He says, go home and buy land. And so... Uh, Abigail Meridian helped us and we researched all the expressway properties in Arlington and this was the last undeveloped big piece of land in Arlington, Texas. This was the last. Step by step. Step by step. And so people want to fuss at you when you get to the goal. Yeah, but they don't know the 20 things I obeyed God on. Can you see that? Yes. Action. Say it out loud. Faith, Faith. Is, taking is taking action on the Word of God. Word of God. First, of all, First of all, the written Word of God. Word and of God. Secondly, secondly, on the spoken Word of God. Now it says so, spoken word of God we get, we get in trouble on because, see, the Bible, that's why I, I believe in having a good translation and I believe in comparing translations. This is immutable. And it is perfect. But when I hear something from the Lord... I can get involved. My, my brain can get mixed in there. And so that's where you, you get off course or you're, uncert, you're unsure or uncertain. That's why when you hear something from the Lord, the Lord, you feel like the Lord told you to do something, you go immediately to the written word of God. See, like in 1989 when he said, son, you never have any money because you never save any money. I, I didn't need to pray about that. I didn't need to do any research on that because I knew the book of Proverbs talked about saving money. So in other words, that word lined up with the Lord, with the word of God. So I'm, I just started taking action on it. By faith, Abraham, when God, verse 17, tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was to, about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. See, there's a speaking faith. There is a confessing faith. And he had power with God. That's the way I want to go. He had power with God. He prayed over those, those grandchildren. He pulled his feet up in bed. And he was gone. Tell your neighbor, you don't have to die of something. Amen. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. So we have a speaking faith, a confessing faith. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. What was that? Action. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What's that? Action. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. What is that? Season. I mean, excuse me, uh, action. 
It's an acknowledgement that we're in a season. He took action. People tend to have trouble with this, but that's kind of a digression. My point is to... There was a man, you don't know the man, you don't know the town, you don't, you don't know any of this. And he had the biggest, he had the biggest full gospel church in a certain valley in California. It was a monster in its day. Len Mink told me that he was, he was there first. He was the only full gospel guy in that whole valley in California. You know, those valleys are huge, hundreds and hundreds of miles. And, uh, I mean, man, I mean, he, it was a monster church, but he threw it all away with adultery. I know another man, you don't know who I'm talking about. Uh, he told me, I asked him some about his ministry, and he told me that he was, he had two advantages, that he was the first guy with the faith message in his city, and also that his city had never been scandalized by a full gospel minister minister and I mean he, he had a big deal we went up there we saw it I mean it was a big deal but he got his niece pregnant well that kind of hinders you know your uh, your church growth kind of hinders you know the whole success factor my point is people don't seem to be able to ascertain the long-term consequences of actions and this is a big deal. It's a different topic, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. So, you know, <laughs> you know, whether it's, it's eating the whole pizza or, uh, you know, chasing somebody at work or whatever, discipline yourself and train yourself to look down the road and ask yourself, what are these actions right here going to do to me and to my family over the next five or 10 years? And that's why I mentioned that you'll never, you'll, never, you'll never visit or attend or be a member of another church like this one in your entire life because every decision we make is not just for the sake of your children, it's for the sake of your grandchildren. So you know what I'm saying? In other words, we don't, we're not like a pinball in the machine being bounced around. So somebody comes to us and they have a beef or a problem or whatever. Oh, okay, you know, God bless. Because we're thinking about what's, what does this mean? If I compromise, see, if I compromise, what is that going to do to the children? What is that going to do to the grandchildren? And so because we put the children first, we put the grandchildren first, we, you know, we don't compromise. Well, they, they could cost you family. Well, you know, so be it, you know, whatever, because that's not our criteria. Our, we're, we're not, we're not going to be pushed around here in, in short term because we have a long-term perspective. Amen. Can you see that? We're going to do what's best long-term. For, for example, why would I want to put half down on phase two? Well, I don't want to do what's easy short-term and end up with some great big problem out here that's going to be hard to handle. Amen. Can you see that? And, and like my home church in, De in Detroit, Bethesda Missionary Temple, now it's called Bethesda Church, uh, that church is coming up on, that church I think is 88 years old, still standing. It's all there, school's still there, 92 acres is there. So that's my heritage. See, in other words, we're not, we're not fly by night. I could go down through them. I could go down through them. I could go down through them. I'm too polite a guy to do it, but I could, I could list them. I could list them. Great, 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 great men, wonderful men, men that I was friends with, and everything they built is gone. It's gone. I could list them, but I'm too polite to do it. It's gone. Everything they built, it's gone. It's all gone. We shouldn't be like that. We should leave behind not just a spiritual legacy, 
but we should leave behind a physical legacy. There's, there should be something that, that people can know that we were here. Not just by our children, not just by our grandchildren, but we should leave something behind. I don't think anything irritated me as much. You saw it a lot more in New Mexico than anywhere. But, you know, I used to Harley ride. And, uh, you know, I, I stopped for gas. And uh, you see it more in New Mexico than anywhere. But, you know, you'd see stickers on the back of Winnebago's and stuff. You know, we're spending our children's inheritance. I used to really irritate me. You know, what a, see, that, that's trading short-term satisfaction and trading it against long-term gain. Can you see that? And then you see these people getting their Winnebago and you think, well, they, they ain't having no fun because, you know, I couldn't have fun with that woman. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> so, you know, it's all, it's all, you know, it's all imaginary. It's just, by faith he left Egypt. Let's go back to verse 26. He regarded Moses, regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. That's the game, man. That is the game, to look ahead to the reward. Austin put, got me onto a website. They send me an email every day. It's bad. And so, you know, you know, Corvettes, Jaguars, I mean, I mean, I love it. I, every day, it's the only email I get that I really look forward to. Uh, you know, oh, I love this stuff, you know. But, uh, but you know, I got a long-term perspective, see. In other words, I just can't go, I just can't go do short-term stuff. I mean, I got to have a, I got to have a plan. I got to abide by my plan. I can't do all this short-term stuff. John Osteen would say, you've heard me say it in the weeks of increase, don't buy everything, little old BDIC. See, that, that's having a longer-term perspective. I can't have a short-term perspective. Not if I want to get anywhere. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. My God, I wish... Father God, give us hearts like that in 2023 to the coming of the Lord. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He saw him who is invisible. The world mocks us and makes fun of us. I haven't seen him in 38 years. But he's as real, he's more real to me than anybody here tonight. And I love him. I love him more than my own life. I love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. We see him as he works. I see him at work all the time. You know, a lady told, told us a story we read this past Sunday about her eyes being healed and not needing a surgery. I sat up there and listened to a young Hispanic man talk about walking into Faith Christian Center and getting saved and, and uh, hearing the word and getting married and then hearing the word and beginning to tithe and give. And, and, and now he owns homes. I don't know what kind of business he's in. I, I went home and told Sue, he's ahead of me. I don't even own homes. I see God at work. See, in other words, it doesn't matter to me that he's invisible. I see his fruit. I see the evidence all around us. Hallelujah. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. 
Action. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry, la dry land. Action. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. The, the, see, we want to think this just stuff just happened. It didn't just happen. God gave Joshua specific instructions. And then they had to obey the instructions. By, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. Action. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Action. And what more shall I say? I do not have, to, do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, <laughs> glory to God, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. Father God, lift both hands, say, Father God, Father God, turn my weakness to strength. Turn my weakness to strength. And who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. It's action. It's all action. But here's the part hardly anybody talks about, the consecration part. Verse 35, women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were so, sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. And let me tell you what, the world's not worthy of us. Amen. They wandered in deserts and mountains and, and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. How can we do that? How can we do that? Because we count him in whom we have believed faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're, it's not just about what I can get out of this. Hallelujah. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So the word believe is a verb. It is an action word, and it means to act upon the word. What is faith? Let's go to James 2 and wrap it up. James 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? What good is it? What good is it if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Now listen, I'll pick, I'll pick up in this ballpark next Wednesday. I, I understand. I'm a smart guy. I get it. This is the beef. I get it. I do. I do. I understand it. Well, you know, Pastor Gene, you know, he, he, he's not exciting. Listen, just do the word, man. Just do the word. Just do the word. Just keep pulling ahead. Just do the word. Now, you know, if I was a person of zero integrity, I, I could lead you to believe. You just do whatever you want and it'll all get fixed. We'll just lay hands on you and, you know, You'll be at your perfect weight and you, your body will be totally healed and you'll be a great husband and your wife will be a great wife and your children will come back to Jesus. This is charlatanism. This is charlatanism. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Somebody's going to have to do something. Somebody's going to have to do something. And so we live in this culture now, see, where, you know, I, I had a doctor tell me, you, you, cannot, you cannot move these numbers through lifestyle changes. But I did. I did. Well, you can't. So was, was he ignorant? Was he lying? Was he selling drugs? I don't know. But he told me, you cannot move these numbers through lifestyle changes. See, because we live in a, a culture now where they have adjusted themselves to the culture. I mean, imagine what would happen to an MD in 2023 if a, a client came in and the MD said, you're too fat. 
man, it would be a blizzard of lawyers. A blizzard. And I told you this story about a young man. I heard this in a champion builder group. He goes in for his annual physical and the doctor says, you need this pill and you need this pill and you need this pill because we got to change these numbers. And the young man said, well, how about if I just lose 15 pounds? And the doctor said, well, that would work too. But see, my point is the culture and the culture is in the church. The, the church is not supposed to be changed by the culture. The church is supposed to change the culture. The church is not supposed to be changed by the culture. The church is supposed to change the culture. But the church has allowed itself to be changed by the culture. I was listening to a message and, and Rex Humbard, you don't know that name. He was the first guy on television. Rex Humbard said that the modern church, and he said this, I think, in 1988. Imagine, that's 12, that's 35 years ago. He said that the modern church is like Samson. They have all the strength and all the power in the world available to them, but they are asleep in Delilah's lap. So the, the, what's out there is in these churches. And so tr pastors now, because they went to a church growth seminar and they heard that, you know, to make a church grow, job number one, don't offend anybody. And that's why there's no Bible in churches because the Bible is the most offensive thing going. And so, you know, in the Bible, the Bible, there's all these words like sluggard, <laughs> gluttony, you know, all these words that Americans just love. Slothful. So you go, they go to these church growth conferences and they, they hear, look, if you want your church to grow, don't offend anybody. And, and the most offensive thing is the Bible. So, you know, don't, don't put the Bible in your sermons. Austin was at a church growth conference and they said one half of one verse will do, but don't give the reference because that sounds churchy. See, and the reason we give you the reference is I want you to check it out. Am, am, I, am I telling you what the Bible actually says or am I doing an Obama speech or a Pelosi speech where I just make CRAP up and say it's in the Bible? God help us. One of the weirdest people ever came in these doors since we moved in here in 2006. 2006? <laughs> I mean, she was one weird cookie. And she told us the church she grew up in, I won't mention the name of the church, Southern Baptist Church locally, I won't mention the name of the church. And she was telling us how she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and I told her, I said, no wonder those people don't want to be around us. Because they, they met her. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But the truth is, spirit-filled people should be the most solid people there are. Amen. We shouldn't be flighty. And we should not be given to heresies and charlatanism. We, we Actually, see, that we got the, you know... <laughs> You're all too young to know this language. But you know, when I was a young man, they'd say, man, I got the Holy Ghost. Well, if you have the Holy Spirit, don't you think you would know a lie when you heard it? Don't you think you would know a huckster when you heard it? Don't you think you should be able to discern charlatanism when you see it? But they can't. And I think, it's, I think it's the same culture. See, in other words, they don't want to eat right. And they, instead, they want, to, they want to not eat right for 20 years, and then they want a pill or a surgery to fix it. And there's no end to it. I just read the other day one of these weight loss pills. Now there's horrible side effects. 
But of course, they don't tell you that when you start out. They tell you that after somebody's had been taking it five years. And all this is in the Bible. It's all covered in the Bible. But see, if, if I get into that, then I'm going to hurt my attendance next Wednesday. <laughs> Father, forgive me. You see what I'm saying? So we know what to do, but we don't do it. And then we want somebody to lay hands on us, or we want somebody to uh, anoint us with oil, or we want to do a January Daniel fast, or whatever the shtick is. And we're going to get to it next Wednesday. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. See, they're, they're deceived. A synonym is deluded. Do not merely listen to the word and delude yourselves. Do what it says. And I don't know why. That's the hardest thing for people is, you know, to take action on what the word of God says. And look, I, I want to... I want to disabuse you of a canard. It's not that complicated. You love your wife. You respect your, your, you respect your husband. You discipline those children biblically. You save money. You honor God with your money. If you just do those five things, you can hardly get in trouble. You, you might chug along in middle classville. In other words, if you're not an exceptional salesman or whatever. But my point is, you're not going to wreck your marriage. You're not going to raise children who are dysfunctional. You just, you, you women, you respect your husbands. You men, you love your wives. You parents, you discipline your children biblically. You save money, and you honor God with your money. It is, see, Satan wants to come along and say, oh, man, I can't do the word. I can't do the word. It's too complicated. Man, but they can tell you the standings of the Rangers, which my son says there's a glitch in the matrix. If the Cowboys and the Rangers are both winning, there's a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> but... In other words, you, you know all about the baseball scores. You know all about the NFL standings. But, but doing the Word of God is too complicated. There's too much. Can't do it. No, no. If you'll just do those five things, you can hardly get in too much trouble. Amen. Women, respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wife. Parents, discipline your children biblically. Save money and honor God with your money. It's not complicated. See, Satan wants you to think, who can do this? In fact, there's a famous ex-Word of Faith guy saying, who can do all of this? Nonsense. Amen. We can do it. Amen. 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 We can do it. Amen. And the blessing of the Lord will come upon our labor. Yeah. Amen.